Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you love to be remembered as the person who gives the best birthday gifts, I'm here to tell you that 1-800-Flowers.com is your ultimate birthday gifting destination. 1-800-Flowers has thoughtful and artfully created options that are guaranteed to deliver the best birthday surprise. Shop thousands of unique gifts at 1-800-Flowers.com for exclusive offers and great values. To order today, visit 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. Mirror man, mirror man, you twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Mirror man. Good evening and welcome to an On The Whistle podcast. It's just me and Johnny today. Welcome to the show, Johnny. How you doing? Uh, yeah, no, I'm pretty good, to be honest. Um, I say pretty good. I'm, in general, I'm pretty good. I've just bore witness to an absolute uh, roller coaster of emotions. We certainly had every spectrum of the emotional, well, every every facet of the emotional spectrum, I should say, um, checked off today as an Arsenal fan. Just uh, anger, anguish, joy, um, bafflement, just everything all under one roof in this game. So can't wait to break it down, really. You're wearing a, a lovely nautically themed shirt there. And I would say that that was, the sea was choppy today. <laughs> uh, but the the port is 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 on the horizon. And I feel like maybe it, the, the sailing in won't be quite as bad in the second leg. Like for me, I, I'm exactly the same. I thought that the, every single emotion I could feel was uh, as an Arsenal fan and an Arteta fanboy, I felt... Um, he got everything wrong, but at the end of the day, this is a results business. And coming out of that performance, 2-1 down against the team of Villarreal's caliber, I think is, um, is, a, is a real positive. And weirdly, we go into the second leg with our, uh, with our pecker up or whatever, whatever people <laughs> say these days, right? So it was, um, it was, it wasn't winning, but it was performing performing ugly 
getting ugly results, but you know, that's the name of the game. So um, there's so much to go through. Johnny, let's talk first about the Galaxy Brain starting 11. Um, when you saw that lineup, what did you think was going on? <clears throat> well, the, I mean, the line basically, when when you see the lineup, you already start to realise there's problems. Um, when we've called into question in recent weeks Arteta's judgment when it comes to team selection, leaving out players when there's really no excuse for it at times. Um, and obviously, I'm not talking about Aubameyang, and yeah, obviously, Lacazette was taken out of his hands, but Aubameyang recovering from malaria shouldn't really even be in the squad, as far as I'm concerned. But once again, not even an opportunity for Balogun to get a place in the squad. Just like, again, what are you doing? Why? I, I, I just don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. You don't even see him on the bench. You might not even have to use him. But for me, what is concerning about that is it's like he doesn't <clears throat> truly understand the kind of magnitude of the task facing him and the severity of the issues when... We have our top strikers act, despite form, poor form, and um, you know a lack of cohesion when they sometimes play. I'm, I'm thinking more Aubameyang with regards to our attacking play. You know, the, the everything is crying out to get experimental with our attacking lineup to say, you know, to give to give players who you might not have even given a chance to. I think you should have been already given chances, but still. You know, when I'm seeing Martinelli on the bench, Balogun not even in the squad, I'm thinking you're just really not judging this right and and consistently not judging it right. So um, that did worry me. Um, and apart from that, you know, I, I think we'll go on to talk about his performance as well. But, you know, the Xhaka the the at left back was, was again out of Arteta's hands. Um, so he was kind of forced to it into it at that stage uh, in that um, aspect. But yeah, in general, for me, I just feel like the team wasn't set up to achieve the goal that we knew that we had to um, uh, achieve out there, which is ultimately we we're going to have to score goals. We've got one, but realistically, I think if you wanted to really put a marker down to get a couple of goals out in Villarreal, that would have been much more uh, of an opportunity to really give it a fuck you, we're going through. And now, I mean, there are so many different intricacies of the match that we can talk about now. But, you know, we got away. We absolutely got away of it. And of course, we're going to be feeling quite pleased with that. But that really just tells half the story of what actually went on in that game. Yeah. You know, I'll get get my shut the fuck up, Pete, thing out of the way. It's amazing how thrown Arsenal are by a dry pitch. (laughs) don't water the grass and everyone's at the Arsenal players are on their knees. They're like, what is, what is happening here? And it's like, they just didn't put water on the pitch lads. Just hit the ball a bit harder. It really, it really throws it out. It's happened a few times this season where teams don't water the pitch. Um, But outside that, I, I, you know, I, I actually like the starting 11, you know, I'm in this place with Mikel Arteta where I'm like, there's, there's two lineups that he offers. He offers the one that you hate or he offers the one where you're like, well, I don't hate it because I do not understand it. And uh, he definitely went with a galaxy brain starting 11. Um, I thought that Nicolas Pepe was going to play through the middle, but I worried that he lacked the touch for that. And obviously he didn't really play that. And it, the, the the hope I'm, I'm guessing, because you couldn't really work out what the formation was, but I guess the hope was that Smith Rowe could do what Lacazette could do. 
did not work out um did not work out that way created absolutely nothing in the first half everything looked very choreographed and overthought and slow yeah i'm i'm really slow because of the dry pitch uh, but <laughs> just it but it was it was just it was just slow because i don't think the Arteta has cracked the final third with this set of players at the moment. They they see the plans that are put in front of them as uh, instructions versus like guidance. You know, uh, it, it, the, the the one good moment that we had, I think it was in the first half, where we broke out of um, broke out of the back on the right, switched it to the left, and I was like, oh my god, this is last season. This is uh, this is an FA Cup moment. We're going to score, and it's going to go to Aubameyang on the back post. It didn't. It went to Saka because Aubameyang wasn't starting. But um, overall, I think the Arteta got a lot wrong, and uh, you know, I've read a few, I've read a few people you know, defending all of the things that have gone wrong for him overall um, to get to this starting 11. But Granit Xhaka at left back should not be a thing moving forward. Let's just admit he's a good player and we miss him in centre midfield. Um, Thomas Partey is not a good enough player to hold hold a midfield on his own as like a single pivot. Um, Smith Rowe was obviously a mistake. The the reticence to play Martinelli starts to look like he's got an issue with Martinelli. Yeah. And the only the only interesting point that I would raise is Emery didn't like playing Martinelli through the middle either. And despite Martinelli scoring a lot of goals through the middle, he was always insistent that he plays on the left. And then um, you know, you're you're hoping you've got this this weird kind of formation set up. You're hoping for your big players to come through strong and uh Erdegaard was absolutely awful today. Um, he had a he had a really bad performance, and I'm assuming that's because he you know he wasn't quite fit enough to start. Um, and Saka was quiet. Smith Rowe didn't hit the heights. It just it just didn't click um, at all. And then the bad decisions rolled into the second half, and you know he didn't make changes. Sabios did what Sabios was going to do and I think everybody knew that that was coming and um, the bad decisions rolled into them but uh, so a bad performance for Arteta but he gets the goal and you'd have to say David Luiz standing up on the subs um, like outside the subs bench um, earlier Obama Yang's there Lacazette's coming back Tierney's coming back you have to fancy us for the second leg so um, we've done enough to get you know to be in in, in a competitive a competitive fight for the next um, for the next leg. Yeah, I mean, so so even when I when I make the comments about the kind of starting lineup to kind of drill down on it specifically, um, my main issue was Martinelli not starting and Martinelli not starting up front. At the end of the day, if you want to go with Pepe up front, as you were saying, Pete, I'm in for it. I'll, I'll give it a go. I don't know if this is the time to give it as much of a gamble, but for me, I think Martinelli at least feels like a more tried and tested solution at, at centre forward, even from what you've heard from training ground and, you know, these kind of noises and the fact he's used to play at centre forward and stuff. It, it feels much more natural. It would feel more natural than Pepe there. But, you know, you can talk about it potentially being a bit revisionist. I just I just really want to see Martinelli getting given a run in a centre forward position because I think it's going to really give us some information with regards to our playing squad moving forward and how that looks. Can Martinelli be our leading man going forward? We really need to find the answer to that question. It's actually a burning question when it comes to our um, 
uh, potential recruitment going forward. But also when I talk about, you know, uh, lineups probably not the right word, but the way that we're set up, the tactics and the, um, I don't even know what you'd kind of um, call it in terms, it, it, it's the motivation that, that Arteta is um, giving to his players because we're playing so flat. You know, this Villarreal team, and I know you mentioned, oh, like the calibre of the opposition, they're not amazing. They're really not. I mean, we've got old Foyfi, you know, playing at right back, ex-Spurs geezer, can't get a game, absolute playing like Cafu, just running past everyone, going bonkers and looking like a really, really terrifying prospect at right back. And apart from him, I didn't think they had too much to really trouble us, but yet... What I think is more concerning is actually, one, the way that we were, in terms of the way that Arteta had set us up against this Emery team, I thought that he was out-tacticked, actually. I felt it wasn't just a case of players not putting in shifts. I thought that the way we were set up played into an Emery's Villarreal's hands. Um, And the one thing that you absolutely, and this feeds into why I um, really uh, kind of, struggle with the omission of Martinelli up front because we have to it you know you've got big players out the one thing that you have to do is absolutely match the required intensity level the you know um with a high press we need to be in their faces I don't think they're an unbelievable team they're certainly not you know Man City you're gonna play triangles all the way from one end of the pitch to the other I don't think they're that good and I think that what we need to be doing is taking the fight to him because I think that that's, as we've seen on the other end of an Emery team when he's managed us, they start to buckle when they're put under that kind of pressure, especially when they're relentlessly told to pass out from the back. And Arteta just missed an open goal there when it comes to um, the way that we set up as a team. And for me, um, the way that we started and that you know uh, missed opportunity really spelled out the whole of the way that the first 70 minutes odd until we scored of the game went. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think incoherence is a, is a good word for what we saw out there today and just in general what we've seen with the squad over the last three months. So, uh, Enketia is probably going to go this summer, right? He's a Balogun signed. He's going to go this summer. He gets the game against Everton. Um, Hector Bellerin is our best right back. Callum Chambers was an absolute disaster tonight. An absolute unmitigated, oh my God, why is a centre-back playing at right back? And But Bellerin should have started tonight. So Bellerin doesn't start. Then you've got, so Arteta is looking at his back four and he's saying, Jacker, no pace. Pablo Murray, no pace. Holding. No pace. Uh, like So we've got a whole back line with absolutely zero pace when you've actually got options that you can put in there. And then you're looking at Xhaka at left back. And I know that he's been fairly solid there and he wasn't terrible there today by any stretch against uh, like Chuck, Chuck Wazy is an uh, incredible athlete. But you're like, Cedric was your signing, Arteta. Where is he? Like, can he, c- could he not play in that position and give us more options going forward? So our left back and our right backs who've been giving us options all season, aren't there. So we've got no pace. Then you're like, well, if you've got no pace uh, in a fullback position, maybe you should inject a little bit of pace through a forward line. And Martinelli might not control the ball particularly well. But to your point, 
he, he causes problems, he causes headaches, and you're constantly looking over your shoulder all game. So um, th- there, were, there was just a lot wrong with that lineup. And I, I agree. Emery outthought Arteta, outperformed him. And th- the biggest worry for me, and something we've seen over the last few weeks, it felt flat. It felt lifeless. Uh, it, it, didn't, it didn't look like the performance that you'd wanted after watching Arsenal lose to Everton. Last week, I wanted I wanted Slavia Prague in the second leg when we were going up against you know the the bad guys of Europe, and we we didn't. We got a, we got a performance that looked like we were happy to get out of there with a draw. We got a performance where certain players were kind of celebrating after getting that one goal. Like a two one loss is not a, a point of celebration, but the the crazy thing is, I now suspect that that was enough. I think that that's enough to go through to the home leg, and I think that you'll see a different makeup. Um, in the second leg, um, you know, we'll probably score two goals early, and then you know it'll be plain sailing from there into the final. I, I, you know, uh, to be clear, I wouldn't um, kind of agree that it will necessarily be that smooth sailing because after a performance like that today, we should absolutely come back and lick our wounds uh, and feel very, very pleased that we got away with a result that is anything but terminal for our prospects of moving forward. But right now, I mean, Villarreal, yeah, they'll feel disappointed they didn't see us away, but they're going to be looking at us going, we're, we're as good as them. And of course we can talk about our returning players. One of those guys is, you know, going to be just one week further on from recovering from malaria. It shouldn't be there. Shouldn't even be on the pitch. You know, it shouldn't, shouldn't, like, this, this, this is what I mean. There seems to be a lack of fault at this stage. And one of the biggest issues with Arteta is that he has made mistakes. I don't think anyone, even his biggest fan, could pretend that he hasn't made some glaring mistakes along the way. But his only hope, I think Matt said previously, is that he can learn from these mistakes and, and um, not keep making them. But there's no question that he is making the same mistakes over and over again. And it feels like... He is so insistent on uh, just to return slightly to the player lineup. He, like you always say, Pete, he has his favourites and he has other people that he just doesn't want to um, kind of upset or, or, or disrupt, you know, the kind of harmony around them. And, and yet, on the same note, there are other people who seem much more deserving who just can't seem to catch a break with a guy. And I ultimately think that will be his downfall because. For me, one of the reasons why I've been quite clear with Arteta and I've said, we don't win the Europa League, it's night, you know, call it a day. And I think where we um, this might feel like the appropriate time to say, for me, you know, I stand by it and I'll stand by that to the end. If we win the Europa League, he deserves more time and whatever. But right now, I don't think, he, I don't think he's the right man. I think I've personally kind of seen enough. And I will happily you know, back a manager in the same way as we've talked about. And I think it's right. If he's a lucky guy who just keeps winning trophies, well, let's, let's ride this one out. But th- this, some of this stuff is so, so concerning. And I don't honestly know how anyone can look at what is going on there and think that we are on the right path. I think, I think, you know, I think he looks out of his depth. I really think like he's not, um, he's not, a suitable candidate for this for this job. It looks too big for him right now. And and right now, this is where the experienced managers draw upon just that, the experience that they've had of, of being in those tough positions. And for me, it just looks like Arteta is 
just playing a game of guess, like guess the guess um the lineup today, guess the tactics. He just doesn't even know. He's throwing shit at the board and seeing what sticks. And that has to be alarming for not just myself, but a, a lot of Arsenal fans. Yeah, I, I'm 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 with you, Johnny. I am not. I am 100% not in the camp that if he wins the Europa League, that is good enough. I, I was I didn't have that view under Unai Emery. I never had that view under Arsene Wenger. Like bumming your way to a trophy is not a you know. I always think time is a reward for progress, and I know that trophies are the most important thing. They really are. But performances, consistent performances, that's what gets you through. Like when we when we were playing well in sort of February and March and we were losing games and it was unlucky and every week it was, it, you know, it was something awful that would happen on the pitch and you could forgive it because there were good performances there. Arsenal are in this tie against the odds after a terrible performance. And I don't want a manager that gets lucky with consistent, terrible performances. And I, you know, look back over the last 10 games and it's really difficult for me to go. That was the performance. That's where we, you know, Slavia Prague, but come on, it's a pub team. It's a, it's a, it's a pub team and their manager was in jail for, for, for fraud. I am really struggling with Arteta because I don't see after 18 months what the identity is. I don't see players collectively being better. And I, I don't see where we're going. And, you know, you're, you you raised the correct point there. It's consistent. It's consistent bad decisions. Um, Martinelli can't get a sniff. He'd rather put Eddie and Ketia uh, as a nine. And when he has the option, because I don't know, I, I, I read that maybe Eddie picked up a knock before the game. He still doesn't put Martinelli there. He'd rather put no one there than Martinelli as a number nine. And it's like those sorts of weird decisions that he makes over and over again are really difficult to handle. And they they also start making you think, well, are some of the good decisions he made, were they just under duress? <laughs> you know, like was that like was Smith Rowe literally like, I don't even know what to do. Like might as well give him a go. And then, then you, you track all of the comments that he made about Smith Rowe after he started performing well, he'd never give him the praise that he gave William, you know, he would really hold back on giving young players praise. And then, I get a little bit of intel and it might be completely wrong. And it's not from the usual places that I get intel. But I, I, I hear the this summer we're sniffing around Coutinho. You're like, what? What? 28 years old. He's been injured all season. He was, earns 300 grand a week and we're in for him. And you're like, wow, like Edu doesn't learn his lessons. Vinay doesn't learn his lessons. Arteta doesn't learn his lessons. It's like we're on the intern train and we're all just bumming around just seeing what happens and it starts to get really depressing but the the maybe three months ago i would have said to you johnny what were like alternatives are worse and now i'm like well how much worse can they be unai emery just beat us away in a in a leg of the europa league and they're a, they're a pretty average side in my opinion so I don't, I don't know where this goes, and it, the chance you know, we get to a final against Solskjaer and we get all of our players back. I don't, I, I think that it's a fifty-fifty game. I don't think United are going to beat a six-six-two in a final. But what does the win mean, and and where do we go from there? Is is my question. I'm losing faith in yeah. this project, uh, and I respect the fact you've you know held your held your hands up with that in terms of losing faith because 
you know, I think as Arsenal fans or every football fan, you can you can become entrenched in a position where you've started off saying, like, not just you, but one can, you know, like someone believes something and then because different things go along to disprove that along the way, people, instead of accepting new um, kind of uh, occurrences, they just double down and dig in and say, no, no, no. And to me, I think it's now becoming quite stark. Like, I I have tried to... The reason why I've been trying to really, really hit home about having this criteria on judging Arteta, and again, I'm going to say, I I completely understand where you're coming from when when you say, uh, if we win the Europa, it might not be enough anyway because of how we're playing. And I do get it, but for me, I think... If you, you you talk about a lack of consistency, which we absolutely have, but if you win two trophies in eighteen months, that is consistency. <laughs> You're delivering trophies, and and I tell you what, there were some times we used to dazzle under Arsene Wenger, and then it came down to it at the end of the year, and we'd bottle it, bottle finals, glorious failure, glorious failure, I glorious didn't, failure. And I literally swore to him, I, I don't want this shit anymore. No. I'm done with this shit. Like I want trophies. I want Chelsea trophies. Like playing shit, getting banged up, and they still lift it at the end. I don't care. I'll take them. I'll take Mourinho trophies, those, like, nasty, horrible, haven't enjoyed it, but you lift it at the end. I don't care what these trophies are. I want them now. Um, so, for me, if he, win, if he wins the first Euro- European Cup for Arsenal in, you know, basically 30 years, OK, get a season What Am I convinced by him if we do it? No, I'm not. Because it, he's still in red alert mode. Now... The, and, and that purely is for some of the points you touched on, that this any progress that people talked about in terms of on-field, you know, uh, an identity and stuff, has surely been lost now. It really has. I mean, as we start to go through this, too, and, and, and one of the reasons why I'm talking as well about Arteta is because the reason why I've kind of been quite clear about, you know, uh, if he doesn't win it, we need to move on, is because I don't want this guy to get another summer to do, deal with his squad, we are. If we lose the Europa League, if we either go out in the next top, in the next leg, or in the final, we need a complete do-over at Arsenal. And that's not me just chatting, you know, kind of too broad brush or you know hyperbole in the, in the wake of a bad result. This is we've had the Euro- European Super League a week ago, where it's pretty much rallied our whole fan base. Um, not necessarily kind of changed anyone's mind because I think that the Cronkies were very unpopular before and rightly so. And we do need to get them out of the club, I believe. But it certainly energised the fan base to actually believe that, you know, through overplaying their hands, we might be able to, you know, look at a new ownership and a new uh, model for going forward. But I think that Arteta and his position as Arsenal manager absolutely has to get called into question and gets bundled into that and that is one I don't want Arteta shaping the squad anymore because I don't trust him if if we can't if we can't win things so he can't justify his position why would we trust him at this stage most of the stuff that is on field is looking like a serious red flag it's a disaster out there and that is on him I'm sorry there's no I don't know why people continue to try and defend him it is glaringly obvious that he has made some serious gross Gross errors. And for me, I'm really starting to not enjoy the football we're playing at all. It's just seeing whether we can skank a European Cup, which I'd love. But at the same note, we'd also, um, we've also got a board who have shown 
through two managers now that they're not suitable in terms of employing managers. They're making wrong decisions with them. So not only should we be pushing for uh, a new managerial appointment, we, we have to double down on really, you know, making this dream come true in terms of a change of ownership that we can get Cronky out, whether it be Daniel Eck or Dan Gauthier or whatever. Like the fact is, is we have to look for a new vision of Arsenal now, one that places competition at its, you know, most important pillar of the club, um, that not only do we respect competition and not try and join breakaway leagues with no relegation, but also we strive with every fibre of the club to compete against our rivals and become the best because we, quite frankly, seem to have become very okay with mediocrity. Yeah, I I don't know whether... um... I don't know whether we've become okay with mediocrity at Arsenal. I actually think that the idea that the owners went for is the opposite of mediocrity. I actually think that they, they've been chasing luxurious ideas um, that are above their station that they can't afford to execute against. You know, like, so, like in business, you have, to, you have to match where you are as a business to what you're trying to achieve. So uh, if, if I've got a job, to create a social post, I don't hire Steven Spielberg to do it because it doesn't marry with the, the the job at hand. And Arsenal quite often hire people that don't suit the the don't suit the problem that we have. Like Don Raul comes in, so we hire the the deal man from Barcelona, where you can waste uh, you know eighty million a season and still win the league. So he comes in and he wastes all our money. And Mikel Arteta comes from a very luxurious club where if you've got a left-back problem, 80 million. If you've got a right-back problem, 80 million. And you can just always solve those problems. So you're always at the, the absolute pinnacle of what football can be. And he came into a club that was eighth, that was on the way down, that didn't have a model that was suited to the football that he wanted to play. And we've not been able to get anywhere near Manchester City football, but we're like, well, if we just had five players, it might come. And my concern is uh, Guardiola plays a brand of football that even PSG can't keep up with and can't play. Like he is so far um, out there that you, you can't get near it unless you have absolute perfection and, a, and, and an executor of that plan that is like Guardiola. And we're, we're chasing that football. And you're like... We can't. I don't know whether we'll get there, and I don't know whether uh, like Arteta's um, vision of where Arsenal could be. He doesn't have like a bridge approach. He had let's play shithouser football. Arsenal fans wouldn't tolerate it, and now we're going for Manchester City, and it, it's too much. It's too much. Unless we spend two hundred million on the squad this summer, I don't. I don't know whether we can get there. And at the moment, it's so bad that we can't even beat Villarreal away from home. And I don't think it's because our ideas lack ambition. I think it's because they're perhaps too ambitious um, for where we need to go as a club. And maybe we need to get back to something a little bit, a little little bit more basic, a little bit more like um, what Leipzig do, where it's not always about possession football. It's a bit more about power and pace. It's a bit more about, we need to be more pragmatic. Yeah. Need to have a little bit more pragmatism. Yeah. I mean, I mean, of course, you're you're definitely right, but 
the problem is, is that when you talk about Arteta as a kind of concept, if you like, and we did try to, you know, we're playing catch up as a club. So we are trying to, in some ways, cut corners in certain ways to, you know, maybe give the next big manager a, a, a job before he gets so big that he wouldn't come to Arsenal. You know, yeah. hence, like, we give Guardiola's understudy a job in the hope that he becomes Guardiola number two. But when you employ that model, and I'm not completely against it, you have to have your, your, your finger on the trigger for realising when it's not going to work out the way you think it is. The reason why, you know, if, 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 what, if what Pep Guardiola does was so um, kind of um, copyable, if you like, I don't know the correct word. Um, I like mimicable. copyable, it works for me. Mimicable, I don't know, you know. Um, then everyone will fucking do it because at the end of the day they'll just watch they'll watch the you know the, the highlights of the game, look at the way the team set up, and go right. We'll just do this. What Guardiola is actually doing, it's not just about going. Oh right, we're going to press every week and we're going to do this, and I've got great players. He has, and the reason why he is such a great manager, he has the touch as well as the kind of philosophy. He understands what certain players can do, and he understands how to tailor his. Um, his um, team's um, output based on the sum of its parts like in any given week. You know, there's been a bunch of world-class legendary players that have moved through um, Man City. And yes, they've had money to replace them with good players, but they play in different ways. You know, if David Silva goes out, you've not got a like-for-like person per se, you know, but De Bruyne comes in, who's also excellent. That, so he, he has, yes, had consistently great players, but he tailors the team based on the team, the players that are at his disposal at the time. Arteta is just throwing a formation at this team and saying, come on, guys, get to it. And if not, he's kind of going, oh, they just can't do what I want them to do. Well, I'm sorry, mate. These are the players you fucking got, OK? And we could talk about, like, getting five players in in the summer. You know, every time you watch a game, you go, yeah, we need four players. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 we're going to need five players. Six players, seven players. You're just looking through the team and going, I'd get rid of you, get rid of you, get rid of you. There's not many people you'd hang on to out of um, uh, the team. In, do, in, do you in, think? I actually look at the squad at the moment and the players, you know, when we've got 15 or 16 players that could play um, an exciting brand of football. But I think the challenge that Arteta's got is that well, the, the club should firstly say, look, we want to play like Man City. It's going to take us five years to get there. And we're going to have to... Like, we we had Arsene Wenger football. wasn't modern enough. We tried Emery football, which was too negative, and you all hated it. So we're going to try possession football. It's going to take us five years to get there. And we're going to slowly cycle through the squad and get to a, a squad that can play this football. And if Arteta doesn't make it, then we're going to get another possession-based manager to come in and pick it up. But my thing at the moment is just like, if Arteta gets fired in two weeks... They'll they'll hire like Nuno or they'll hire like a Mourinho type manager and then the whole model will change again. It's like there's because there's no structure, because there's no clear vision, like Leipzig yeah. is clear. Nagelsmann leaves, doesn't matter. We've got Jesse. He's going to come in from Salzburg and he's been doing a good job. And if Jesse doesn't work out, we'll bring someone from the reserve team or we'll find someone else from the, the, the Leipzig, uh, the RB network to come in. Arsenal yeah. were just like... They're half in everything, and there's no clear structure. There's no clear leadership, um, and uh, I don't know what comes next after Arteta. But at the moment, it's like what Arteta's doing is so bad; 
it's 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 difficult to give a shit what comes next because I'll take I was going to say Sam Allardyce. I wouldn't take Sam Allardyce, <laughs> but you know, like you you would you would you would take a different direction right now because it doesn't even feel like we're getting twenty percent city right now. No, 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 and and this is the thing, and you know, you, you, I, I know you push back on the. Um, talk about the squad, but when you really boil it down, like there are players that I think are decent enough and I think they might perform under a new manager, but how many players would I actually be like really upset if they left? I really think we should kind of, you know, be building the team around. And you look at Saka and Smith-Rowe, Balogun signed as well. You know, we're yet to see what he's about, but Martinelli, party, a lot of money, um, and we should get on to his performances. Performances, plural, um, uh, coming up in this pod because alarm bells, quite frankly, with some of the performances. Um, I think Xhaka is a, is a squad player. I think he's done really well towards the uh, end of the season in, in crunch games and performed admirably at left-back when he shouldn't really be there. And, you know, you talk about Kieran Tierney and then a few of the centre-backs when we're talking about William Saliba need to come back and be given a chance. Gabriel, you know, for me, if if, hold, if holding went, wouldn't matter to me. Chambers, any of these guys, they can all, they can all go. Like none of them have really staked a claim to be a, a guaranteed member of Arsenal moving forward. I think they are plug in and play kind of players, and I think most of them do um, uh, jobs that could be replicated by other players that come in, but. You know, also you said there about like, oh, you know, who's next? Like a Nuno or something. I'd take Nuno over Arteta right now, if I'm honest. No, see, we, oh. we don't, we don't want to go there, Johnny. We're like that's, I, I think the like Nuno is 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 Valencia. He's super agents. He's grim. The football shit. Wolves have gone down the pan. I mean, like I, I, I we need to carry on down the path of possession based managers. We need to go from Frank Lampard to Thomas Tuchel. Yeah. Nor- yeah, yeah. Not Mikel Arteta to something that 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 feels good for mid-table consistency. No, I, I'm kind of more making the point that that you just take anyone right now. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's kind of like he's not my first choice. But you're you're saying it like that's a kind of scare tactic. But I, I guess you kind of made the point as well. I, I'll be honest. If you're talking about what's going on right now, and you're saying, "Oh, a Nuno comes in," well, I'm not sure he'd do a worse job. I, I think he'd probably do a better job if I'm honest. Like. We've got to really look at this season holistically, look at everything that's happened. It's been an unmitigated disaster. We are talking about, you know, worst home record in 91 years. Like, we're, we're talking about the worst start in 50 years. That's not a joke. It can't be excused. So, you know, unfortunately, I can't look at this and keep going, yeah, well, you know, like I've said it before, if he wins this cup, you know what, fair play to him and he'll be here next year. And I won't, I won't, you won't catch me kind of rallying against him if we have won that cup. Not, not in the immediate term anyway. I think he buys himself some years. But if we don't, I think absolutely the moment we get knocked out of this trophy, I'm going to have my, my uh, Arteta out tweet ready. It's that simple. Because for me, it's all but the, all but the shouting now in terms of, I'm re- I'm about ninety nine percent sure he's not the right man for the- us anymore. That is really where I'm at. I, it 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 looks really grim. It does look grim, yeah. And um, you know, if the when when I was judging Unai Emery, it was like, has the football improved? Are the underlying metrics improving? Uh, do the players look like they believe 
in him and the answers to all those questions were no. Under Arteta, have underlying metrics improved for about 10 minutes? Uh, has the football improved? I can't really name many performances where we've had a blowout. Uh, you know, maybe Slavia prior, but like I, I, we can't take that sort of performance seriously. And uh, now it's and, and now the bigger thing is like, are the decisions good? The decisions for the squad are terrible. The decisions for players who to sign are even worse. And then you look at do you learn from your mistakes? And then it, you're hearing rumblings of Coutinho. No, no, obviously not. Obviously not. We're in the we're in the dustbin of of Edu and the people that he knows, and we're just we're just spending more money on bad ideas. And I I I, I don't see how he gets out of this. And I honestly think even if he wins the Europa League, Arsenal win the Champions League next season could be a fucking disaster. Arsenal. Arsenal against like real opposition, uh, like the fifty million that you get isn't going to help us get a squad to the the right level. I think it. I think it could be problematic. I mean, obviously, I'll take it if it comes, but it's uh, it, it's looking messy out there. And Arteta hasn't helped himself. He continues not to help himself. And I actually think one of the biggest problems for Arteta is that he doesn't believe he's going to get fired. He knows that he's safe, and I, I think he makes. My job is safe decisions with the players that he puts on the pitch because he doesn't he doesn't need to impress the fans. He doesn't need to impress people around him because he's better than Edu. He's better than Vinay. And you know, even if we go out to Villarreal next week, I I honestly don't think that he gets fired. And that that's a a sorry indictment of of where Arsenal going at the moment. And like I I I didn't think I would ever be in a situation where I was like, well, if Arteta wins that I'm vindicated. If Arteta wins the Europa League, I have not been vindicated. I have not because I bang the drum for performances and the performances are not there. The decisions are not there and fans aren't excited. And that's disappointing. And I know Arteta's got a difficult job and I know things have gone against him this season. But when Klopp was taking Liverpool back to the top, he was losing to Crystal Palace 3-0, but then he'd smash someone 6-0 with a shit squad, terrible squad. And Arteta doesn't like. When was the last time that you that we won a, a game by a big margin that you were excited about, or you didn't think, "Wow, we just scored four goals from four shots"? Doesn't happen. And, and I, I think, to be honest, <clears throat> I think that statement from you there is really, really significant and really, you know, quite seismic when you talk about someone who quite clearly championed Arteta. You've 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 backed him, and to admit at this stage that, you know, in terms of where you'd hoped that we'd be, we just absolutely are not there. I think that for me, and I think a lot of Arsenal fans, the writing is on the wall. You know, look, the reason why I'm setting out this criteria for myself is because whenever you go after a manager, you will often, particularly one who's got any affinity with the club, you know, it didn't, he's obviously not a, an Arsenal legend, but, you know, he's an ex-captain of the club. Like, he has to be taken seriously in, the, in terms of his service for Arsenal. But when you go after um, certain managers, you'll always get their fanboys um, coming out, you know, in, in a protective stance and often decrying your... Um, kind of counter opinions to their um uh the person that they're backing as being flippant or knee jerk or not seeing the bigger picture and all of this stuff now 
one of the only ways I can see to address that is by setting out a reasonable, a reasonable criteria for what you expect, and that involves, you know, um, kind of. It's basically yes, this is what we're aspiring to, but also B, this is our floor. If you go below that, then you can absolutely expect to see yourself removed from your position. You know, most of the time, managers don't get into those situations that early in their career where within, you know, a year of being in the in the um, in, in the post, they've strung together the worst club the club's seen in 50, worst start in 50 years. That's a big deal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if you do that, then realistically, you should be sacked. He bought himself some time with that FA Cup. But to be following this up now at this stage and performances to be this poor shows that it wasn't an anomaly, those poor performances before Christmas. This, you know, this is what it looks like under Arteta. There are peaks and there are troughs. We won an FA Cup, but unless he can get over the line and get us another cup and just be that guy who, for me, delivers, I think that in terms of when we plot the graph, uh, in terms of football performance and the way we set up, and uh, and so many other metrics for judging on-field performance, I, I think there's nothing to really be encouraged about right now outside a few of a few, you know, shining performances and performers, I should say, from the likes of Saka and Smith Rowe, which ultimately there are young players for our academy yes, have been given a chance. Smith Rowe, Smith Rowe as you rightly pointed out, could now be seen as being done under duress because he was basically nearly sacked earlier on in the season. And really, that all of those ideas that we or beliefs that we might have got someone with real ingenuity and new ways of doing things just seem to have disappeared. And we're actually left with a guy who seems quite bland in the way that uh, I think he's going about setting up Arsenal. And the one thing we can't tolerate at this stage is not only a, a, a really poor performing side in terms of results, but also that the actual on, on-field performances are looking really, really poor. And they seem to be deteriorating as far as my eyes can tell. Yeah. And look, you know, Arteta will be a top-class coach and he will go on to win things. I've no doubt about that. But sometimes the structure you're put in, in any line of work, you know, you, you work in entertainment, uh, you've worked with directors before and things don't click, right? Yep. I, I've worked in, I work in advertising. Sometimes I work with people. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck you want. And I, and, and to be honest, I don't care. And I think there are plenty of examples of managers and coaches around Europe that go to one club and they're absolutely garbage. And then they go to another club and they're great. Uh, they're Kovac, uh, um, uh, Bayern Munich. Like yep. run out of the club, then he goes to Monaco. He's 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 playing under the ex Scotland technical guy, and he's doing a great job. You know, he's resurrected his career, and there are examples that everywhere. And I think Arteta needs a structure. He needs somebody to tell him no because he's he is a born leader, and he he took control of a, a of a situation where there wasn't a great leadership at the club, and he made a, a power play, and he won, and he shouldn't have been given that role, and it's starting to look like he's maybe not right for the structure that that is at Arsenal because he has to do too many things and he's taken them on himself. But look, you know, everybody's been young at some point and he's older than me, but he's young in that game. He's taken advantage of the situation and it's fucked him. He was much better when he didn't have the additional power. 
I just wonder what what comes next. You've got, um, you know, Arteta was promoted to protect Arsenal from the weakness of what Edu offers. Edu doesn't have original ideas. Vinay on his embarrassing apology tour because he got told what to do by the bigger boys of European football. It's just humiliating on every level. Like, it, I, I can't get over the Vinay being our CEO. And then Josh Kroenke, like, prom- making all these promises to fans and it, he doesn't really know what he's doing and he doesn't know what he's doing at any of his sports franchises. So I think Arsenal are in, Arsenal are in big trouble, whatever happens out of, you know, off the back of this trophy because... There's no there's no there's no experience at the highest level. There's no Ralph Ranick uh, to, to help guide this process. There's no Luis Campos to help um, create something and make sure talented people um, have their weaknesses sort of sandpapered down. So I'm um, I'm really concerned about Arsenal now because Arteta has is not the silver bullet that we were hoping for. Yeah, and. Uh, I don't know what an additional summer is going to do to that football because you can't get rid of 12 players, right? Uh, you know, this is one thing we're in. Whatever you just said there over the last you know minute, I completely agree with everything on it. I think that the signs at Arsenal are, are, are very alarming now um, and everyone should be concerned because you can't trust anyone to make good decisions at the club anymore. We're at boardroom level, we're dragging our name and our history and our values through the mud because there are people that don't care about those things, um, which are what the fans care about. I think we should be doubling down in terms of fan action uh, with regards to trying to, you know, really force through a, a change in ownership. We really, you know, that means constant protests all, all the time. That may mean... You know, when we talk about fan action, boycotts of sponsors, that might mean, you know, one thing Arsenal have been quite good at doing is is generating behind, kind of grouping behind a um, a cause, whether that be the Wenger out days or whatever people thought about that, you know, Emery out. You know, we can unify behind a cause and make our voices very, you know, very much known. And obviously with the fans going back into the stadium, protests kicking off regardless. Um, I think that we can make it very uncomfortable for Kronke. And yes, you know, ultimately people can say if he doesn't want to sell, he won't want to sell. I think my personal belief is that I think people underestimate how significant fan pressure can be. And when you have, for instance, um, an online campaign with Arsenal fans you know, which has been hashtagged up and stuff, and it, it, it is noticeable, it's definable, that we will not buy Adidas products until, the you know, whilst the Cronkies are in charge or whatever. You, you, you see the kind of conversations getting had when the, the CEO of Adidas rolls in and goes, um, we're going to, you know, tie up our partnership with you because we're losing load of profit because of your toxic ownership. At the end of the day... The only thing that will get the Cronkies to blink is when their assets start to depreciate in value. And if if the fan base kind of vote with their pockets, I think, you know, the, there's no guarantees, but I think the pressure would turn. There's one thing that rich people hate, and that is when you start fucking with their money. So I think we can do it. I think we can raise the issue. But I think that Arteta absolutely should not be, you know, spared that kind of um, wrath as well, you know, when when we talk about getting changed, why in the world would we stop short of demanding a new manager? And 
you know, yes, I, I, I'm concerned by the, at the idea of this board hiring a new manager because they've shown themselves to be incapable of making good choices. But, you know, it doesn't mean that we should hang on to one who's showing himself not to be adequate. And I think one of the biggest things is if there will be, if there, if, if there is to be a change in ownership, potentially, if we all, that we all hope would happen, um, I think any prospective um, owners should be, you know, really outline their plans with regards to, you know, I know they might not be naming names of who they would hire, but, you know, really spelling out their vision for the club and who might be able to facilitate uh, that change at Arsenal and how we move forward. Because right now, you know, to double down your point, I think we're in disarray from boardroom level down to pitch side. It is, it just looks confused. And there's one of the worst things that happens when this kind of stuff happens is the the loss of hope, the loss of hope that things are going to get better next year. Because right now you look at it and you think, I don't see any solutions jumping out at me. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, we're in uh, we're in deep shit. We're in deep shit, <laughs> and um, there there's uh, every time we get ahead of ourselves, every time it feels like it's something's going right, we punch ourselves in the face, and that's not good leadership. And Vinay, for me, always looks like a guy that's hiding behind go. a rock. He's got to go. He's got to go. Dino's got to go. Eddie's got to go. Arteta's got to go. Like all these dudes, none of them. You haven't. What have you shown me that's good? What have you shown me? Vinay has employed two failed coaches. Um, You know, Edu. Yes, there have been some positive signings. There's been some awfully shit ones as well, which he has to take his fair share of the blame on. Arteta. Yes, we won an FA Cup. You're also putting out dog shit performances like that where we're having to get let out of jail. Um, and can I just, you know, I, I know we've talked about the bigger things and that really is so key right now. But there are, if we dig down to the actual specific performances as well, quickly in terms of um, actual player performances, I thought that today Saka doubled down as, you know, in terms of showing that he is our best player, he's our most significant player, he's a game changer. He, takes responsibility, even in a game where he wasn't like pulling up trees, he still is responsible for the most significant moment for Arsenal. Obviously, Sabayos had a a shoe-in for that most significant moment before that. Um, And I think that also I look at the form of Thomas Partey I mentioned earlier, and it's starting to become a bit concerning because we all know as Arsenal fans how quickly new signings can almost lose their flair that they bring in from their previous clubs when they've been obviously held to account and and they're performing at a high level. And unfortunately, Thomas Partey at the moment is just looking like a very average player as far as I'm concerned. And, and what I want to be clear on is he's not an average player, which is, um, you know, case in point was that exceptional pass to Aubameyang towards the end of the game defence splitting, he's got fantastic vision. But, you know, that good moment is, um, you know, it, it, it's one one decent moment out of a bunch of bad. And I think that the most obvious thing, you know, example of like really, really frustrating play for him is his awful shooting. Like, what are you doing? Like, you, 
genuinely can't you can't even hit the target from 25 yards like you've got to stop doing this now it's not a joke and um just in general so sloppy with his play giving the ball away just there was a lack of intensity there and I just worry, maybe it's actually the fact that Xhaka, his partner, has been moved out and it's unsettled him and he doesn't gel as well with Sabayas. But it's just been when we need to rely on our best players, and I firmly would put Party right up there as one of our best players. Yeah, I agree. He, he just hasn't been delivering in recent weeks and it's really concerning. And I also feel that we might need to get a new regime in place before his career goes down the fucking swanny with us, he still remembers what it feels like to be a top-class performer. If we give him another year, 18 months of playing like this, it'll probably be shit and there'll be no way back for him. So, um, yeah, a change is afoot, I feel. Uh, Yeah, I agree. And this, um, this can all change. You have a good summer and you can turn things around and... You know, we can go back to, you know, historical references. I think we were, what, we finished 13th the season yeah. before Bruce Riot came in. A couple of sign-ins, Bruce Riot gets fired, Wenger comes in, adds four or five key players, bang. You know, we win the league uh, a few years later. Alex Ferguson was on the brink of getting fired, um, won an FA Cup, and then the rest is history. But there there are possibilities to change. And I think at least we're in a situation now where the squad is starting to take a little bit of shape. I think you've got a lot of great young players that will be yeah. much better after a good preseason. And I think the places that we need to replace are clear, right? I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's ever been clearer what we need to do to to fix the squad. And hopefully, if we have a big summer, ship out 120 million pounds worth of talent. The hope is that we replace with players that are of the right age. And whether Arteta survives or not, it doesn't matter. The new manager coming in has got young players that can play possession-based football. And hopefully, at the very least, Arteta has has trained this squad to think in a modern way. So a more experienced manager comes in, picks it up and takes it to the next level. So I don't think we're in a... I don't think we're in... the worst position that we could be from a squad perspective. You know, no one's played more under 20 minutes in the Premier League than Arsenal. I'd be more concerned if I was Spurs, right? Old squad, Mourinho-fied, in trouble. So, yeah, I I think it's a depressing night. Um, I know that we're in it. I know that there's a high chance that we get to the final. Bigger concern is Arteta's now in a situation for me where it's like, do I want to see another year of this? I I don't know. I don't know right now. And... um, there, there are no more. There are, there's 180 minutes to prove to the fans that he is worth seeing what happens next season. Because I, I don't care for bumming your way to a Europa final. I, I care about performances and football being consistently exciting, even when it's bad. And I know that we've all got terrible memories of Arsene Wenger being the nearly man, but at least there was joy. At least you see ridiculous goals. At least, uh, you know, at least it was ex- it was exciting even when it was bad. I know, like, the last two years were particularly poor, but you always had good moments. I don't feel we get enough good moments right now, and it's not good enough. Definitely not. not. Enough. And uh, uh, that, that's, that sums it up quite nicely. There's just not enough good moments to deal with and justify the bad. <laughs> it is, yeah, it, it, it's a tough situation. And um, ultimately... Um, we we move on. Um, we see what 
how Thursday plays out. And, you know, it would be symptomatic of Arteta's tenure that we really turn it on next Thursday, um, you know, and put Villarreal out and then we get that glory of going to a final. But, you know, perhaps ominously, and I think one of the worst things is looking at Man United's result. And that is because all throughout Arteta's tenure, I think one of the things that we've had as a comfort Arsenal fans is the idea that against Oli and against Frank Lampard when he was at Chelsea, Arteta would outmanage them. He's had some very good head-to-head performances against these guys, uh, somewhat novice coaches. But, you know, the fact... And, and don't get me wrong, they've got better players pound for pound than what we have. But not a million miles different, you know, not a million miles different in terms of our outlay on players, in terms of the pedigree of some of our players... It's just that ours don't perform and they are squeezing more juice out of theirs. You know, they're elite performers. At the end of the day, Man United were, what, 1-0 down and 2-0 down or 2-1 down today? Yep. But they found a way to put an absolute working on Roma, 6-2, and they're going through right now. So, for me, what's concerning is I always thought that in a head-to-head, and I still kind of do, that against United, we would have a fair chance against them. But what concerns me is the fact that if you can't get up for a game like this against Villarreal when your season's on the line, you're just going to have another one of these season-defining games in the, in the final. And Oli, though I don't think he's a great manager at all, is finding a way to get juice out of the likes of Fernandez and Pogba and Cavani, who suddenly started banging goals in every week. Mason Greenwood looking like a real talent. And they'll certainly not be scared of taking on us. And if we produce anything, anything like what we saw today, it will get silly again and we'll get slapped around like we did against Chelsea in the last one. And that's unforgivable. I swore, you know, to myself, I wouldn't let myself get that emotionally invested again where we're getting blitzed by an English team who are full on taking the piss. But I feel like we could be primed for one of them as well, you know. So, But you know what's coming. You know what's coming. David Luiz is going to be fit. And we miss him because he's nasty. Kieran Tierney is going to get back to full fitness. So we'll have some sort of mobility down the left. Granite Xhaka is going to be move back into centre midfield. And really, since he's moved to left back, we've had average performances because Thomas Partey can't be a single pivot on his own. And then Ober will come back. Lacazette will come back. And that will lift the whole team. So I, I think that if we get to the final, it's game on. I don't, I don't like a full, a fully fit Arsenal versus a fully fit Man United. I, I, I think we could be in good shape and players won't care about what they think of Arteta in a final. You play, no. you play your heart out. I know that we didn't when we went to Baku, but I think that Arteta is slightly different. The fact that, uh, the fact that Aubameyang and Tierney wanted to be in the ground today for an away game tells you the players mentality they want to win they don't want to play like that so um but the question is it's like last season we won an FA Cup final and Arteta was like look you're all forgiven I've I've transformed you and then we have the worst three months ever it's like now we're in a situation where it's like if Arteta wins the Europa League do we forgive him or are we just open ourselves up to uh you know the heartache that's going to come next season and it's sad that I've got to that stage because I love the idea of Arteta I love the idea of bringing in some visionary coaching, but he he has not played his cards right. And that's because Arsenal have weak leadership and we've let him do what he wants. And that's that's 
we've got to live with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, and to be honest, I, I have the personal axe to grind with Arteta. Um, you know, but even earlier when you spoke about the fact that you are, are pretty sure that he'll go on to have a decent career and stuff, I'm not so sure. I don't know. Like, I'm, I, I'm certainly not saying he won't. I think there have been flashes of, you know, ingenuity and, uh, and at times brilliance, but there's been a hell of a lot of shit as well. And to be honest, when you have a manager who starts at such a big club like this, they quickly end up in a situation where they are, you know, fighting for their lives in terms of like, you've got to shape your career because it only takes, you know, two or three bad appointments, one or two bad appointments for a lot of coaches. Um, and then your career's done. You're, you're playing massive catch up where you're having to go to, you know, much lower levels to try and prove your name again. And at the end of the day, I don't think, I think there will be some um, things that he could pull out if he was to leave the club, you know, at the end of the season without, without a trophy this year. I think he could definitely point to some successful periods, not least the FA Cup and, you know, even the, even the Community Shield. But there is also some real alarm bells and he would have a lot of pressure in his next appointment to get it right. And I don't think one of the bigger teams are going to come calling after his performance at this. No, but uh, he's, he, he is a world-class coach and he's a good communicator and in a proper structure, he'd do well. And I think the big thing that we all miss is Arsene Wenger couldn't work in our structure. Unai Emery couldn't work in our structure. Comes a point where it's like it's probably the structure that's fucked. So I think you'll have a I think you have a good career. You're absolutely right. He's not gonna it's probably not gonna get the Barcelona job now. But you know, if if he went to a if he went to a German club that had a a, a good approach to football, if he went to a Valencia or one of the Spanish clubs, I think he would do well. But that's it doesn't help us. We basically need uh, an Arsene Wenger-like figure with a more modern approach that can dominate transfers, dominate bad decisions in the club and do all the work of the executives that can't. But Johnny, I am very aware that it is very late in the UK. Um, that I feel a little bit better after talking to you. And now um, now we're both on the singing from the same hymn sheet. Yeah, yeah. It, it does feels feel like, like I've lost. A, a bit of a, a cathartic moment on the pod. It feels like... You know, we're starting to uh, our paths on this journey are starting to coalesce and start to come together, and and at least there's some comfort in the fact that you know, even in you know, kind of pessimism, there is a bit of unity that is coming towards the Arsenal fan base because I think we all just are starting to get a little bit apathetic with what we're seeing on the on the pitch, and I think change. It's starting to look like the order of the day. And that could be at every level of the club, to be honest. Yeah. And on that summer note, Johnny, why don't you <laughs> tell us where we can find more of your work? Yeah, um, more, more upbeat work. Yes. Um, I do um, a fatherhood podcast called the How's Your Father podcast. Um, and it is available where you get all your podcasts. We've had none other than Arsenal legend Nigel Winterburn talking about what it's like to be a professional footballer and a parent and a father, I should say, uh, and a range of other funny and interesting people talking about all aspects of fathers. So check it out, the How's Your Father podcast. Great. Well, Johnny, thank you for uh, the, the one-on-one session that we've just had. That was very enjoyable. And if you're listening to the podcast, Roger came on, left a comment, 
He left a five-star rating, but quite a mean comment. He said it sounded like three guys at a pub. I'm sorry, Roger. Sorry for disappointing you. Um, that sounds like a good thing anyway. What's wrong with being like, what, like, what, like, what sort of analysis do you want? You know, like, um, people treat the podcast like it's a, like it's a fucking Airbnb review. I'm sorry, <laughs> mate. It's not Gary Lineker and Michael Richards over here. I'm sorry that we're not delivering you the level of analysis that you need. It's just, it is a bunch of guys having fun drinking the wine with the yellow label and occasionally yeah. a Peroni. Just, you know, it's free. It's free. <laughs> But at least he left a bad review with a five-star rating, which I assume was a big accident. Anyway, <laughs> leave a five-star review and uh, uh, we'll be back. I don't even know. Is there a Premier League game this weekend, Johnny? I'm, I'm not sure. Are there we'll is. Yeah, yeah. I believe there is anyway. Um, yeah, there is because of my fantasy league. Uh, we have got none other than um, Newcastle United away on Sunday. Give Balogun a game for for God's sake. Give Goodness Balogun sake, a game. Give him a go. All right. On that note, I'll see you, or I'll probably see Johnny at the weekend. We'll be back for an on the whistle then, and we will catch you next Thursday for the big one. On that note, ciao for now. Peacock streaming. The biggest live events from Super Bowl 56 to complete coverage of the Winter Olympics. It's all the unbelievable sports to love. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.